What's going on, everyone? And welcome to another episode of Writing Friction. And as always, today's guest is pretty cool. Everyone say hello to Adam Douglas Thompson. How are you, Adam? I'm great. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, no, most definitely. Uh, we were talking about before the podcast, you were doing a little moving. I guess you're back on the East Coast now, but having a little bit of a hiatus towards the West Coast where we are. Yes, yes. We're back in New York after having been various places over the, the last year, um, but it's good to be back home. Most definitely. And for people who don't know, um, I did an earlier podcast with an fantastic author, Helen Phillips. And Helen had mentioned that she had a husband. Um, I popped on Instagram. I think she'd given us your handle on the episode. Um, I hopped on Instagram and I immediately, I'm like, this is my dude. I'm like, this guy gets my kind of you know humor. And I fell in love and I started following everything you've been doing. Um, you're the first New Yorker cartoonist we've had on the podcast, but you're not the first New Yorker cartoonist I've met. Um, I used to live with a dude here in San Francisco, um, and maybe you can shine some light on this kind of story, but he was trying to get his cartoons into the New Yorker for 15 years. Always got rejected, always got rejected. He's living with me. One day he either got a letter in the mail or an email and he comes running. He's like, dude, holy shit. And we're like, what? He's like, dude, they took one of my cartoons. And then like a couple months later, boom, it popped in. How, how did you start working for The New Yorker? Yeah. Um, no, I definitely know the feeling that, that uh, he had, that, that excitement when you finally get one in. Um, yeah, I mean, I had been doing art of various kinds for years, um, more in the fine art realm, like gallery kind of stuff. Um, but it was always difficult because the work I tended to do was a lot of these little drawings that were kind of funny and quirky that were... Um, you know, they, they were kind of intimate and they didn't have a lot of what in the art world they call wall power. You know, they're not like these grand things. So a lot of these little drawings that, that were funny and weird. Um, and you know, over the years, people would often say it would be great if you could get some of this stuff in the New Yorker. And of course I, uh, love, love the idea of that. And, um, uh, and sort of had that as a, as a kind of dream in the back of my mind for quite a while. Um, and then I self-published a book of, of cartoons. It was actually cartoons about the art world um, and, uh, or just about art in the art world. And um, I sent a copy of the book to the cartoon editor there. Okay. Uh, and then a while later, I got a message, uh, um, email back that, that, that uh, she liked it and she invited me to start submitting. Um, and, not having known much about it, I was like, "Oh wow, this is amazing!" Invited to be submitting, I'll be in. I'll be in the magazine in no time. Obviously, um, uh, <laughs> but I I uh, I quickly learned that um, there are many, many, many people uh, that are submitting every week to the New Yorker, and um, but I started doing my submissions, um, and typically people uh, that are really sort of seriously trying to get in are submitting every week a batch of cartoons, like between five and ten cartoons. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, there's maybe like 100 or 150 people doing this every week. Um, and uh, so I, I started doing that and, you know, didn't get him in, didn't get him in. Um, and uh, was wondering if maybe this just wasn't going to happen. Um, but as I was doing it, it was, it was tremendous creative practice. I mean, uh, generating all that content all the time. Um, and, you know, it's such an interesting contrast with like the fine art world where, you know, you can do some weird, quirky image. 
doesn't have to necessarily all make total sense. Uh, but, but, but with these jokes, you know, you're really trying, you're really put you through your paces of, can you create a very tight, um, kind of, uh, idea that really hits hard, um, very concisely. Um, so it was, it was, yeah, go ahead. I, I, I want to stop you there. Cause I, I guess I'm, I have a thousand questions popping yeah. in my head, but one yeah. specifically I want to ask, do you separate the dialogue from the art? What comes first? Yeah. What inf- is it a, you know, a circular thing? How does, how do you separate the yeah. two? Is there a difference? I mean, my cartooning approach, I think is, is pretty image driven. Um, you know, some cartoonists write a caption and then make an image or some cartoonists might make an image and then write a caption. I mean, usually I'll have the whole idea all at once, but usually it's a fairly visually driven idea. Um, I think also just coming from like the art angle, um, you, most ideas start with some quirky image and then I, then I figure out, figure out what I, I can do with that. Yeah. Um, I used to sort of think of myself as, as like a, an artist, but like a cartoonish kind of artist. Now I sort of think of myself as an artsy cartoonist to some extent that I, well, when um, you started, were you doing these kind of specific pencil cartoons? Was that just your style to begin with? Um, yeah, through grad school and, and, and after I was really into drawing and I was into drawing large quantities of, of simple, funny kinds of quirky yeah. drawings, um, like by the hundreds and thousands. Um, but it wasn't until I started doing the stuff for the New Yorker that I, I really put myself through the paces of making very tight jokes. Uh, you can just get away with so much ambiguity with artsy mm-hmm. images. And, uh, yeah. and so, um, yeah, it had always been my kind of angle. I kind of, but I, it was, it was kind of great because I, for years had struggled because I didn't quite know what my artistic direction was in the fine art world. And I just sort of evolved toward this cartooning universe. And suddenly I'm submitting to the New Yorker and it, it, it just felt perfect, even though I hadn't gotten anything in. And then after, gosh, I can't remember, uh, quite how long it, I was submitting before I got one selected, but it, it wasn't crazily long. It was, it was maybe like five or six months or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it felt long to me, but as I came to know that many people have gone through much, much longer, uh, periods of, of, of getting nothing, nothing back. But, uh, but boy, was it exciting when I got my first one. Well, I mean, so I'm, I'm, a, I'm a newbie. I mean, I, I love art. You know, I've only yeah. been recently been able to acquire some pieces of art. Like I had a piece right behind me commissioned. So I, oh. art's been, because it's the one thing I can't do. I, I play guitar. Mm-hmm. I can write books. I can mm-hmm. make jokes. But I can, if you give me a pencil and a paper, I can't do it. It's just not. That's not part of my makeup. That being said, I recently, at 33, have just started getting into comic books. Uh-huh. And doing a little bit of research there, it seemed to be maybe back in the day, I don't know much so more nowadays, but you you keep mentioning the fine art world. Yeah. Is there any stigma between the two worlds of just the comics, cartoons, and fine art? I mean, what, you know, is it the difference between like Britney Spears and Fish, you know? I mean, I think that it's, I think less and less so. I mean, everything is so messy these days um, that, and there are, you know, cartoonish popular kinds of artists that end up having gigantic museum shows and things. Um, And I think it's very, we're in a very fluid time with that. Um, And, uh, you know, I think oftentimes the, the sort of fine art gallery world can seem like this very constricted little, um, kind of fuddy-duddy, almost old-fashioned in a certain way, uh, little club compared to 
the sprawling stuff that's going on in, in all other media forms. Um, and I had spent just a w- so long trying to like get my foot in the door with this 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 little inner club of the of the uh, the gallery world. Um, and it's just so frustrating, and it's so it's so much mediated through social stuff like you know who you know and going to a million openings and and being on the scene and stuff like that um that it can be very draining especially once you become you know somebody with children and it's very difficult um but yeah but i don't think i mean i definitely find that especially with something like the new yorker um because it's such an institution because everybody knows about them that uh a lot of people in the art world that wouldn't have given me the time of day <laughs> these days when I, when I, that's, that's like a, a, a very cool thing to have going for you. So. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I've been again, only because I'm just so keen to it right now, the fine yeah. art world, I've been, you know, going down some black holes, some Wikipedia pages and stuff yeah. like that. And, you know, you can look at art, obviously most people look at it as an investment, Right. And you could say the price of fine art to what the value of the actual, I mean, this, it skewed so many different ways. Did you ever get a chance to learn about it? I mean, you know, why does a shark in a tank of formaldehyde get sold for $50 million? I mean, do you have any pulse on what goes on behind that kind of stuff? I mean, I don't have that much particular insight, but (laughs) yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely, um, it's definitely silly and it definitely has more to do with um, the dynamics of wealth accumulation and, um, and like, you know, speculation. It's um, it, it, it exists a little, I think, apart from the concerns and the interests of most all artists Um, and the, and the world in which like the world of, of shark tanks selling for multimillion dollars um, that, that universe is such a tiny sliver, even within the fine art world. I mean, the fine art world, there's, you know, thousands of galleries and little artists, you know, who are nobodies pretty much just struggling away and having their show every two years and maybe making a little money and getting by. And that's the bulk of the fine art world by far. Um, but so much of the media attention, so much of the money goes to this very, very thin sliver. And I mean, it's analogous. You mentioned music earlier. I mean, it's, it's analogous in many ways to the music industry where mm-hmm. especially now a few names artists uh reap tremendous rewards and and almost everyone else is is you know struggling to just to get along um yeah yeah i mean for me you know again i grew up in i grew up in new jersey so i i was born in queens but you know my whole life was spent you know roaming around new york city i mean you know i couldn't stumble into a fine art gallery if you pushed me into it at that time but that being said i remember god and now his name just totally Kuntz, who the Kuntz, yeah Jeff Coons, yeah. Again, you correct me if I'm wrong. I'm walking down Manhattan one day. This is 15 years ago or something like that. And all of a sudden, you start seeing these giant everywhere in every lobby of every building. And all of a sudden, it's on every mainstream. It seemed like it almost happened overnight. Is yeah. that a common occurrence in the art world? I mean, can someone see your cartoon and literally just you? I pick you. And now <laughs> you are here. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's. It's it's a little mysterious, um, but it almost has it, it has a feeling of it's sort of like when I, I think it's a little bit connected to when like a certain like say in the stock market a certain stock a bunch of people decide that we're going to juice now this you're stock, talking right? my thing now, and, now we're talking we're gonna, GameStop <laughs> yeah, exactly I mean it, the dynamics are really uh, very similar in a lot of ways and there's 
um, you know, it's there, there's almost a sense of people kind of colluding to, to pump something up and, and then donate things to museums that then donate one of their pieces to museums that that gives the artist more credibility such that the prices of the rest of their own collection goes up because well, can, they've donated can, one. Can I stop you there real yeah. quick? Some billionaire hedge fund owner owns a $55 million Picasso. That's part of his investment portfolio. That is part of his wealth. He loans it to the Chicago Modern Museum of Art. They put it on the wall for a year. What what's the what's the politics behind all that? Is that helping the artist? Is that helping the investor? Is that helping the gallery? Um, you know, again, I think it's it's a whatever group of people that's helping that artist, that gallery, that museum, that that collector. It's a it's a handful of people that are just yeah. clustered around that one yeah. um, artist, um, and uh, yeah, the, the benefits are are accruing to to a small small group, um, and yeah, and now there's the whole other thing of the the NFT craze. You know, you with talk, the are, are you dealing ones. with that at all? I'm not. I haven't. I haven't. Well, actually, I did. Um, I know a guy who was. I'm a little unclear on exactly what, but he was basically the, uh, the inventor of NFTs and, and he started a company back in 2014, um, way ahead of its time to do a version of NFTs. Uh, it was pre Ethereum. I can't even remember what that it's, uh, sure, I'm yeah. no expert on this stuff, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. um, but, uh, yeah, but he, we made, uh, you know, him, he got a bunch of artists to make some, some sense. They weren't called NFTs at that point, I don't think, but, but to make some, um, and you know, we made them and they didn't, you know, sell for much or anything, but he, he kind of had this idea and, uh, and, uh, you know, and then, but it just turned out to be ahead of its time. And then, and now we're, we're now we're in the midst of this craze. I mean, I, I don't know. I, it seems, it you seems to have last? I, 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 I really, I really couldn't say. I mean, I guess a lot of people sort of tend to say about the blockchain stuff that whether you like it or not, it's here to stay. Um, in terms of digital art ownership, I don't know. I mean, a lot of the people, again, it has a sense of the, like the people that have a vested interest are the ones buying it and selling it and and pumping exactly. it. So I think that there's some of that same dynamic that it's almost kind of replicating some of the same dynamics that you see with the galleries and collectors and museums with conventional artwork, um, but just in this new, new universe. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that again, the, it's very difficult for me to see the benefits going to more than just a couple of people at the very top of this market. And you've got so many artists racing to it, hoping to win that sort of, um, that sort of like golden ticket of, of, of having a, a valuable NFT, but uh, gosh, I mean, it's I, I I definitely feel like a bit like an old fogey who can't can't keep up with with all this. I I um, can't keep up with it either. I mean, you know, I play yeah. the stock market heavily, but when you start talking about, bit, and it's just like when when someone can affect the market with just one tweet, um, that's not I'm good with that. You know what I mean? Um, but the NFT thing, I don't know why. What is the appeal as a as a customer? Why do I want? your nft what is i mean is there something i can look at my phone and no one else can see is that literally what it is um well no because you can see the item that's the thing it's it's just a digital image that you can find on the internet just as easily um i own it right there's um, (laughs) an artist there's an artist brad tremel who's who's sort of an enfant terrible of of the art world has been for a long time and uh he uh he does um uh 
posts and 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 video uh, explainers on some of this like art world stuff. Yeah, and uh, he just did a big sort of thing about NFTs and basically kind of describing it as a pyramid scheme built on top of the art pyramid scheme. Basically, it's so fucked <laughs> so, up. I mean, you yeah. know, you you pull the camera back on some of this kind of stuff and you just think to yourself, I mean. What are people? Th- I mean, you know, yeah. I, I, we yeah, Doge. I mean, well, let's not even talk about this shit. Um, I, I wanted to go back. I was looking through your Instagram, and actually on your website, you had a couple of highlighted ones. Um, and you had one uh, with uh, I forget the the cash title, but it was th- these drugs are making me feel very nasty, or everything looks really nasty. You had it, and you these swirls and. You know, again, you said sometimes it's the image that pop. You're more of yeah. an art kind of person. I mean, you know, is that coming from a personal experience? How much of your art comes from who your personality, or is it just kind of quirky shit you think of and think it'll be funny? Yeah, I mean, have you tripped on acid and seen these crazy <laughs> swirls, and that was that was a good cartoon? Um, no, I'm, I haven't. But um, and yeah, in terms of my arts, like I, I struggle with like because I think sometimes uh, I sort of think of myself as not being that a personal an artist. Like I make a lot of images and they're, and I'm kind of like going through the world, like looking for weird stuff and kind of putting them into my, um, images. Although I feel like in the last uh, year in a certain way where I was a lot, had a lot more time, like in myself as a lot yeah. of us did. Um, yeah. um, I felt like things got a little more like, uh, messy and, and, and personal and, and about, uh, about my own <laughs> shit in a way that yeah, they yeah, don't, yeah. they aren't always. Um, and, uh, and with, uh, you know, uh, and, and I think that there's, and I definitely, though I, I'm not a big drug person or anything particularly, I, uh, I definitely like have some like escapist t- tendencies in certain ways with certain things. And I think that cartoon where I, I just, I've always, I, I, I'm into math to some extent and, and, and like, um, science stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I just had this idea of making this like elaborate, like kind of fractally image, and and that was the case where I was just like, okay, well, what's a good caption for that? And I thought that the, that it could be two people's drug trip, and one of them's turn to the other and say, "I'm finding these drugs a bit mathy," like as though it's a bit excessive. Yeah, and so I guess you know I, I've been writing. I grew up as touring in bands. You know, I've been writing yeah. songs forever. Before I started writing books, I was writing songs. And you know, Tom Petty was famous in saying it took him ten songs to write one good one. Um, huh. You're talking about producing comics in the hundreds of and thousands of you know. Yeah. How many of those are getting thrown in the, in the trash can? <laughs> well, it's it's interesting. I mean, since I um been doing the New Yorker, and since like a lot of my artistic energies are going toward that. I mean, I'm I've always like got other little things going. Um, I'm constantly working on graphic novels that will take, who knows when I'll ever finish any of those. They seem I'm like it'll take a thousand two, years. Yeah. Do. I'm on book two of saga of the swamp thing. Alan Moore. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I just, I just uh, recently reread Watchmen and it was, oh, um, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, but, uh, and I mean, I, those, that just seems like it'll take forever, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, but I feel like, yes, I definitely have tons of bad ideas. Um, but one thing that I've done with my style is that my style is so minimal in terms of just these, this diagrammatic line. Um, like it's such a clear, simple language that tries to be as economical as it possibly can, um, that I can go through a lot of bad ideas really quickly without too much impact. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also am just now, I, often I don't even really need to draw an idea because I can just consider an idea, know what it will look like, or pretty much know what it'll look like because I know that language so well at this point. Yeah. Um, and just kind of list ideas in my phone and maybe it's every, maybe I can skip the labor of doing 
10 of those ideas because I've listed them in my phone, but then I get one that's, oh, that's worth drawing. And so then I would sit down and draw draw something. So you're talking about like a literal list on your phone, 10 yeah, ideas. Yeah, yeah. And, and, but I mean, obviously though, it took you some time to get to the point where you felt comfortable enough to be able to just visualize it in your head, right? I mean, there had to have been yeah. a time where you had to draw this shit out each and every one. Yeah. I mean, if, if I look back over, because I sort of drew, started drawing in this particular diagrammatic way, maybe like 13 years ago. Okay. Um, and I, it definitely, it is satisfying. Like there's those few things in life, a lot of life you feel like, you know, I'm doing this stuff and I don't really feel like I'm ever better, any better at it than I was before, you know, like, but this, but the drawing is one thing where I feel like I can really look back and see, no, I I'm, I'm better at this. Like I've developed a personal technology, uh, for like generating, uh, imagery and and that that i can like that is like a well-oiled machine pretty much and, yeah and I mean, do, are you open to i mean do you get any feedback from the editors or from people on social media i mean do you take into that consideration at all um yeah i mean the uh the editors at the new yorker i mean who are ex- extremely uh nice and and kind they but they're so inundated with so many submissions every week yeah that even you know they're people that are getting in you know because i get in pretty frequently um they they can't give that much they're they're just under a mountain of stuff at all times yeah um uh but you know i've gotten bits of feedback from them and i definitely get some feedback online um whenever whenever a cartoon gets posted on the new yorker uh feeds um i've learned that i don't i have yet to develop the uh the fortitude to look through the comments and not have the have the little nasty ones just stick in my brain uh, what, what what are what kind of nasty comments do people leave on a fucking I mean, new yorker cartoon i mean it's i know i mean sentence. well you know it's amazing you'd think you'd think but um gosh i mean i'm unless you're, t- you unless know, you're talking like you know specific political stuff how yeah. upset can people really get not bad i mean oftentimes it'll be just you know this isn't funny or something you know something somebody just dismissing it and that's you know i I'm getting better, better at that, but, um, yeah. you know, I, I, gosh, I mean, I really stopped doing it. I mean, early on yeah. I would go through like, cause you, if they post to Instagram, if they post one to Instagram, you know, it's got hundreds of comments and, uh, and I scroll through them and, you know, it just, any little thing, I'm just, I'm very fragile. I got, I got, I got to toughen up. <laughs> but, Imagine um, having a YouTube channel. Yeah, I can't <laughs> even, I can't even, um, no, it's, 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 uh, it's tricky, but, um, you know, I mean, I doubt, I just, I, I, I don't believe that there's that much for me to be gained by like yeah. engaging that much. So, yeah, so pretty is, much I, I just don't. It's a so, black hole of misery. Yeah. Um, so yeah. the opposite of misery is kind of happiness. What do you do outside yeah. of art that maybe influences your art or just makes you a better person? Yeah. I mean, I, um, well, I've got a great family and you know, my wife, Helen, uh, when we'd really developed, she's a writer, of course, and she, um, we really developed our creative identities in tandem with one another. Um, you know, years ago, uh, we were both, she was working on a, a book that, um, was really her first adult book that she wrote, uh, which was one page stories. Um, and she I was might have starting, actually talked about that. I think on the podcast, yeah. that, that instantly oh, really, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So she was working on that at the same time as I was starting to do just, uh, I, I was kind of putting aside like paintings and other bigger projects that I yeah. had been struggling with to just try to develop a practice where I could have lots of ideas really rapidly and, and really succinctly. Um, so I started just doing these like one page little doodly drawings, which would later evolve into, into cart full on cartoons. But, um, but so we were both doing these kind of parallel things at once where we were like in kind of creative boot camp together yeah. during that period where we're just making one little thing after one little thing after one little thing. Um, 
And that to me is like, was, was huge. And having, and, and working in tandem beside her and, and, uh, it was a huge part of my kind of creative development. And, um, and yeah, and otherwise, I mean, I, you know, I, it's been, obviously it's been a weird time. Like I've been, I got family now, you know, kids now. And so a lot of the, uh, uh, the energies, uh, go into that, which is, which is great. And also, um, uh, of course, very tiring and draining, but, um, I do play music some too. My, my for years, I, years ago, I played music, uh, what do you play? Sort of, um, the guitar and I wrote songs. Oh, dope. Um, right. Were you, play, yeah, were you playing yeah. any bands? I mean, we, it's very, very small time, you know, local, yeah. local stuff. Um, uh, and my brother is also a musician and we, we play music together too. Dope. And, um, and, uh, you know, I've always have, you know, like most people in the creative industries I've got, I've usually had like several jobs going at once. Um, so I teach college students, teach at uh, various colleges around New York uh, for the last 13 years or so, um, which is great, which just, you know, kind of keeps you on the ground with, with people and, 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 you know, college students. I, I just love working with college students. It's yeah. Uh, especially like in the, in the public university systems. What do you teach? Really great. I teach design basically um, like intro design, color theory and oh, okay. uh, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, people find it somewhat ironic that I go like, a color theory teacher and I do these black and white drawings, but I used, cause I used to paint and stuff too. Um, and yeah. I occasionally have dabbled uh, in, in years since, but, um, but yeah, um, teaching various like, uh, um, uh, commission work and stuff. And I've done yeah. some big commissions for companies and things like that. With um, color painting. Uh, well I've done actually drawings. So I've done, um, so uh, a couple different companies like Logitech, the companies out out in your area there, um, uh, like j- group of like eighty drawings for their um, hallways and their in their oh, corporate awesome. headquarters, things yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, that are all like around technology. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I can I'm I kind of like having like an assignment. You know, it's like yeah, you yeah, get yeah. okay, make a bunch of stuff that's all about X, and I'm I take to that like a duck to water. I, okay, I, I yeah, like for sure, assignment. for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so um, it's it's always interesting. Right now, I'm doing um, also I do uh, scientific explainer videos for a, a YouTube channel, Minute Earth. Wait, um, okay, it's uh, yeah. you get dive deep. You you lost me. What? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there's a it's a it's a channel. Um, uh, minute Physics and Minute uh, Earth are, are their channels of scientific explainer videos, like one one or two minutes, uh, kind of simple animation uh, like line drawing of style one specific topic of like a topic minute. like explaining like what's the deal with you know uh black holes or what or uh yeah. you know ties like a bad stand-up yeah. comedy bit yeah <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so those are um those are interesting too and uh, yeah it's 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 that thing right like and as i always teach you know really emphasize with my students who are like yeah. young people trying to get their bearings in art because it's so disorienting you know there's no you, you come into art really not even knowing what you don't know. It's just this, this wide open field. Like, you don't, what, what path am I supposed to take? You know, what are the different realms of art that I could even pursue and how to distinguish them from one another. And, um, and so I just really emphasize with my students that, you know, first off, when you're in college, when you're young, you have no idea what's ahead. If you're interested in arts and you, you don't, you pro- I could have never predicted the stuff that I was doing now when I was graduated from college, like not at all. Um, and you have to be flexible. You have to try a lot of different things and see which threads kind of bear, fr- uh, branches bear fruit, uh, mm-hmm. or, or, um, uh, and, and, and juggle a lot of stuff. And, um, well, can I yeah. ask you this? I mean, since you, it seems like you're, you know, you're around younger, you know, 
early twenties, whatever, however yeah. old they are, you know, do you run? I was running a lot in, in when I was pursuing my music career in my early twenties heavily. I spent a lot of time comparing my life to other successful people lives. So I would yeah. be like, Oh man, you know, the black keys got their first record deal. 23. I'm 25. <laughs> I'm fucked. Um, do you know, in the art world, is it common for some artists to pop early? And, you know, do you I mean, do, do kids have to yeah. deal with that kind of same thing? I mean, Sure. Yeah. It's, um, it's a very similar dynamic. I, I think that, um, you know, as you get, as you're, if you're in art school and you leave art school, you, there's certain people that you can see are starting to have careers and, and then the majority that aren't. Yeah. And, uh, although I, I came out of art grad school, um, in like 2008. Yeah. So no, but it, it was, I, I, I came out into that total, like, uh, shitstorm of of the recession and everything mm-hmm. where there there wasn't anybody Man, that was yeah, that was blowing up timing. you know yeah yeah and um but but at the same time like i i a lot of great i i, I knew a lot of great artists that that have are still artists and that over the years have figured out ways to to build a career and there's just a lot of different kinds of career you can have i mean i think early on you sort of see these certain stars that and you think that that's the only version of success right if i'm not that then what am i yeah. Um, but there's a lot of different ways to, to build, a, you know, a lot of different artists like doing that, like doing things without the gallery route, you know, making, yeah. you know, more DIY approaches to like building an audience for yourself. And that's the thing. I mean, I feel like for people who can't see the sun, I'm trying to figure out the sun in my blinds, but I'll, I'll, I'm blind at this point. It doesn't matter. But um, in the galleries, you know, the, you, I feel like you hear more about the curators than the artists. I mean, like, you know, whenever there's an article about some new art gallery in SF, you know, it's always, it talks a lot about the curators and things like that. I mean, they have a lot of influence in what's getting put on those walls. I mean, is it all their taste? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it depends. I mean, there's, um, they're the people that own and run galleries, um, like the, the gallerists, you'd usually call them. And, and then there's, the yeah, well, the, and then, but then also curators would be people that maybe don't, aren't in charge of a gallery, but they're organizing different shows and different okay. venues. Um, uh, yeah, it's a whole ecosystem. There's, there's art advisors who are just, who are just trying to connect clients, uh, to with things to buy. Um, uh-huh. and, uh, it's, it's definitely, I mean, you can definitely, um, feel as just like a lowly artist that doesn't have a big platform yet. It's, it's, it can feel like, just how do you even even penetrate um, as a young college kid going into that market? Yeah, must be super intense. Yeah. It is, and um, it's it. The deck is really stacked uh, to you know. And again, I, I deal with a lot of like public university students, and that uh, because everything is so socially uh, mediated, it's so much about networks of of connections and things in in many ways that if you can you can easily feel like if you didn't go to the elite college or, um, you know, have those elite networks that there's very little on en- entree into it. So, um, you know, what, so you what artists said for writing too. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I absolutely uh, see that. And I think that, um, and I think that what people end up having to do artists, you know, groups of people kind of coming out of art school is they have to kind of band together and make their own things happen. And a lot of the, and the truth is that those are usually the things that end up uh, those kind of clusters of energy end up uh, being the things that like a couple of years down the line, those exactly. are the hot thing, yeah, right? Rather yeah. than the people that are chasing the sort of the powers that be to, yeah. to gain entry into the already established, you know, 
And then, I mean, and then you bring up the whole conversation of art for commerce. And, you know, as an artist, you like to think that you're not doing it, you know, with the influence of money behind it. But at the same time, you know, people have to pay for your food. I mean, you know, so it's just, it's, yeah. it's a fascinating concept. Because, I mean, if you look yeah. back way back, you know, Renaissance era, you know, that they were these commissions, this is what these people did. You know, Leonardo da Vinci wasn't thinking I was going to sell this painting for a hundred million dollars, you know. 200 years from now, they were doing it to make a living. So I like to think it's still like that. I like to think a lot of artists yeah. are out there doing it for just the pure love of it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, I really think that like, if I compare, you know, the early two thousands and then the, then the crash and then the years after that, I feel like a lot of the illusions are, are kind of broken. What did you say? The what crash? The, the, the financial crash. Oh, I mean, I'm the sorry. thing about I'm art, scared. art floats like, Art is something that only, like the fine art world, like exists only when everything else is yes. strong, right? Because it, it's the it's the this elite a layer of financial activity that's that floats on top of all of this other stuff. So mm-hmm. when um, when the money all got sucked out of yes the, the broader economy, well, the art economy definitely like took an enormous mm-hmm. hit uh, in the in the late two thousands. Um, and I almost feel like ever since then, that whole sense of like, oh, I got to be one of these big hot artists. I feel like that has dissipated a great deal because people oh, okay. just sort of came to see that it's it's temporary, like it's ephemeral. And an artist that's that's uh, doing really well right now, that doesn't mean they're going to be doing really well 10 years from now. Like, there are a lot of people, you know, who when I was younger, you know, people that I saw as being, oh, they've got it made, you know, they've got this amazing career. Well, you know, a few years goes by and their gallery closes and things change and suddenly, you know, you know, they, they're back, right. Not so different from where, from where you are. So stars, people's stars rise and fall. And the people that um, are able to kind of just keep plugging along with the tortoise, the tortoise versus the hare kind of thing. uh, The, they, they tend to be the ones that, that are, I think in the long run, happy with what they do and have a sustainable life and are able to make enough money and able to not destroy their bodies by like being crazy and partying and stuff like that. And, you know, so. It's uh, the total opposite of the book world, but yeah, same thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. Well, well, it's been very. It's always been very funny seeing the book world versus the art world with with you Helen get to because see both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's such a contrast. And in, um, uh, you know, and I'm sure that when you're in the book world, you can of course feel like, oh, uh, there's all these horrible things about it, and it's it might be backstabby or it might be clicky and whatever. But yeah. I assure you that in the art world, it's way way worse. And uh, imagine, I mean, yeah, yeah, I mean, again, when you talk about the fine art, I mean, the money, money talks and that that's, you know, that money moves mountains. Adam, what a blast, man. Thanks so much for taking the time to kind of just dissect a lot of this stuff for us. Well, thank you so much. It was a lot of fun. Most definitely. Um, Where can people find you? I know you're on Instagram. Give people your uh, other stuff and what's your handle? Yeah, um, my handle on Instagram is Adam D. Thompson. um, And that's the main place to find my work. I, uh, I, tend to let my website languish a little bit but because there's so many more eyeballs on the instagram it, yeah. but yeah. um and yeah and then new yorker i mean uh that's uh that's the main place to, to see me these days cool and you and you do and you are available for commissions right yes absolutely um yeah i love taking on interesting projects for sure cool yeah. I, I i might be hitting you up for something Ooh, awesome Adam, enjoy the rest of your day man thanks you too take care <laughs>